I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. You're listening to episode 131. Today's thought from above is this. Everything is a gift. If you missed the pod episode or this is your first time listening, this is a podcast for what we call Mind Discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above. That's where the name of the podcast comes from, from Colossians 3, 1 and 2, where Paul encourages us to set our minds on things above. Setting our minds on good, beautiful, and true thoughts, on uplifting, encouraging, life-giving, biblically-based thoughts from above is not easy. And that is why we do this podcast, to provide for you in each episode a thought from above that you can dwell upon so that your heart will be warmed and you will become an epiphany of grace. I was watching the musical Hamilton not long ago. It was my third time seeing it. I find Alexander Hamilton to be a fascinating figure in history. In fact, I've read two biographies, which were both amazing. Alexander Hamilton was one of the most accomplished people in American history. During his short life, Hamilton achieved so much. He was a war hero, helping to defeat the British in the Revolutionary War. He helped to push through the U.S. Constitution. He was the United States' first Secretary of the Treasury, and he revolutionized the nation's financial system. And as a writer, almost no one compares to his output. He penned 51 of the 85 essays known as the Federalist Papers, a widely read collection of articles that defended the newly drafted Constitution before it was ratified. But the musical, Hamilton, as all art does, brings out new understandings, not just on a person or a time in history, but on life itself. There are so many wonderful songs in the musical, but one that struck me this third time watching was a song called That Would Be Enough. It's a duet sung by Hamilton and his wife, Eliza. Now, this incident didn't really happen, right? It's part of the art. But in truth, his wife, Eliza, did write a letter to George Washington asking the general to allow her husband to come home because she had learned that she was pregnant and she wanted to tell him in person and she wanted to spend some time with him. Washington, responding to Eliza's letter, actually did send Hamilton home, but Hamilton had no idea why he was going home. He was not told why. When he got home, he was delighted to hear the news about his wife being pregnant, but he was also preoccupied with the war. He was preoccupied with his advancing career. He was preoccupied with a whole bunch of things that were on his mind. Part of that was because Alexander Hamilton had come from poverty. He came from very simple beginnings. And a part of what made him who he was was his drive, his ambition. He wanted to have a great life. He wanted to give his wife and his family a great life. But he was so preoccupied, there's that word again, with getting back to the business of achieving things, that that great life that he envisioned one day was in front of him not before him. In Eliza's mind, that great life was, in fact, right in front of him, but he couldn't see it. It was a life with his family. It wasn't about the money or the fame or the success. So she sings in that song, that would be enough, these words. Look around. Look at around at how lucky we are. 
to be alive right now. Look around. Look around. Look at where you are. Look at where you started. The fact that you're alive is a miracle. In the song, Eliza explained that she knows what matters most in life. And Hamilton is asking in the song, well, don't you want more? And Eliza is saying, no, what I have now, what we have now, is more than enough. This is when my eyes welled up with tears. Why? What chord did this strike in my soul? Speaking for myself, and perhaps also for you, I struggle with not looking around at what I have and being grateful, but instead, like Hamilton, being preoccupied with other things, with things that aren't as I wish them to be, with things that I don't yet have. I tend to focus on the way that I really want things to be rather than the way things are, and, more importantly, rather than on the widespread mercies, the plentiful gifts that I already have. So when Eliza sings, look around you, look at how lucky we are just to be alive. The fact that you're alive is a miracle. Those words touched a deep place in me. Recently, in one of my classes, I was explaining one of my favorite illustrations by the great George Buttrick, a preacher of the, of the 20th century whose works are amazing. But George Buttrick would do this often in front of an audience. He would take a large piece of paper and he would draw a small black dot on the center of the page. He would then ask his listeners, what do you see? And the people invariably would say, the black dot. Buttrick would then say, in the same way that you are drawn to the dot, we are also drawn to focus on our problems, to look at what we see that's wrong. And in doing so, we neglect to look at the rest of the page. The dot, he would explain, is actually only a very small percentage of the page, perhaps maybe 1%. And yet, we focus on the dot, or on our problems. That's what I'm getting at. That's what the song, That Would Be Enough, is trying to say. I mean, to be sure, it is right to think about our problems. We train ourselves to do this so that we can fix them. So when we're thinking about something that isn't right, that's okay. We're thinking about it because we want to fix it. We want to make it better. We want to make a difference. But when our problems become our preoccupation, we fail to see what Buttrick called the widespread mercies. Because the widespread mercies are all of these things that are always around us. All of those things that we actually do have, not the things that we don't have. The widespread mercies are the gracious gifts we have. Life, breath, family, friends, resources, sunshine, air, water. It goes on and on. Because the widespread mercies are far greater than the problems. And the widespread mercies are the things that truly do matter. Now, we're not called to deny our problems, but to put them into perspective. Because then, our problems, while not disappearing, lose their power to discourage us. Which is exactly why the practice of counting our blessings, something I do regularly, 
is so profound. Emily P. Freeman calls counting our blessings one of the essential nutrients of spiritual formation in Christ. It is essential. It is a practice we all need. I recently listened to an audiobook. It's a memoir by the actor Will Smith. He tells the story of when he was a boy, how he had been learning to play the piano, and his grandmother, who was very devout, very active in the church, encouraged Will to play during a church service, which he did, even though he maybe wasn't quite ready. He said his grandmother beamed with joy as he played, even when he made some mistakes. In another story, he tells about an exchange he had with his beloved grandma, whom he called Gigi, during a Christmas Eve service. He writes, One year during Christmas Eve services, the church was decorated from entry to altar, adorned to a level that even Jesus may have thought was a bit too much. Gigi was peacefully swaying to the choir's soothing rendition of Blessed Assurance. I watched her rock and hum, and I found myself becoming hypnotized by her tranquility. She was not quite smiling, but the soft rise in the corners of her mouth betrayed an invincible serenity. I would later come to recognize this look as the look that people have when they know things that the rest of us don't. She caught me staring. Yes, lover boy? Gigi, why are you so happy all the time? I whispered. Now she was fully smiling. She paused, like a gardener preparing to sow essential seeds. She leaned over and whispered in my ear, I trust God and I am so thankful for His grace in my life. I know that every single breath I take is a gift, and it's impossible to be unhappy when you're grateful. He put the sun in the sky and the moon. He gave me you and our whole family. And for all of that, He only gave me one job. What's your job, Gigi? to love and care for all his children, she said. So everywhere I go, I try to make everything I touch better. That story, Will said, had a huge impact on him, which is why he recounted it so clearly 40 years later. And it impacted me. It was a reminder, like the song, That Would Be Enough, that reminded me to look around, to be thankful, as his grandmother said, for every single breath. I love his grandmother's proclamation. It is impossible to be unhappy when you're grateful. Those are some powerful, essential seeds that I want to sow into my mind each day so that I can set my mind on this truth. Everything is a gift. Everything is a gift. Everything is a gift. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I hope you join me for our next episode, which will be a Things Above conversation with Brian Zond. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith, and you can learn more about this podcast. And if you'd like to donate to the Things Above podcast, you can. You can do so on our website, ApprenticeInstitute.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, things above. <laughs>